You are listening to Omnis Protocol. I am Charles, also known as Omnis, and I am here with the legend, back-to-back TTS champion, and voted Sexiest Podcast Voice 2021, Morgan Reed. Welcome back. Charles, um, I don't know what to say to that intro, but uh, I don't think <laughs> that is true. Um, but it's great to be back, and it's great to be talking with you again about our favorite subject of MCP. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, It was funny, because... Xavier Jacob, you know, he as soon as you as soon as he like started interacting with you, he was like, You have to have Morgan on your show. You have to have Morgan on your show. But we hadn't really interacted yet. And when we finally got to record, I was like, I can see why Jacob wanted me to record with this guy. I fucking love Morgan. And so I'm really happy to be back. Like uh my girlfriend messaged me and she was like, How's work going? And I'm like, Oh, works fine, but I get to record with Morgan tonight. So it must be the novelty of the accent that's not American. That's that's all I can put it down to. Ah, you know, maybe maybe that's it. Just the the accent just makes you a better, more insightful MCP player. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I like that. Yeah, the accent <laughs> will work. Yeah, I like that. It, it right. distracts your opponents, yeah. and they just they don't know what to do. The voice is too sexy. They they make bad plays, and then you come out on top. <laughs> if only that were true. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of uh, your podcasting, we got a shout out to your boys going undefeated strike better undefeated at gen con i uh i tweeted uh uh strike better strikes best because both of you went undefeated oh nice yeah so mike uh Dambois and ryan farmer attended gen con and both of the lads did really well and went uh went undefeated i think farmer was running his beloved web warriors under amazing spider-man and mike return to his original competitive roots of Avengers run by Sam. So great result for the lads and really proud of them, actually. It's, it's great. Yeah, I hear it. Farmer did two games led by Amazing Spider-Man and two games led by Miles. So good, good mix there. The only sad part would be I would love to have the strike better finale off and like have the boys duke it out. Maybe that's something that you guys can stream or something later on, like play your Gen Con rosters. Let's have the strike better guys duke it out. I like that, Charles. In fact, I think we should set that up, and you and I should commentate it. I'll just, I'll just uh, throw shade at them both, and you can, you can say how good they are at playing each other. <laughs> that actually sounds amazing. All right, I'll, I'll uh, but man, you yeah, just, yeah. you have two great co-hosts. It's always cool when you go out to a con with like one of your close buddies, and then day one you both go undefeated. That's it's a, it's a wonderful feeling. So, I'm sure you're proud of your team. Absolutely. And, and a little bit jealous as well. I couldn't be there. It'd be such a, I mean, I used to love traveling around. I think we spoke on the last cast, traveling around the world and around Australia yeah. doing different events. So it would have been great to head over to the US and do Gen Con with the boys, but maybe next year. Yeah. But good on them. Great result. Yeah. Well, uh, as much as we could just talk about how awesome your co-hosts are all day, I think hopefully, I think Ryan and I are talking about a potential episode in the near future. So I might get to finally record with your, your lovely host. But right now, I'm blessed with Morgan Reed and man, Morgan, you, you know, you and I have had like some cool interactions and you've helped guide me in my journey with these size four monsters, which I had kind of veered away from a little bit. And I thought it was time that we kind of recorded and talked about this journey a little bit. Um, If it's cool with you, I'd like to start with Juggernaut. That is very cool with me. Juggernaut is my favorite five thread at the moment and I couldn't be happy to talk about the big fella. Yeah. Obviously, he's grown on me quite a bit, but where I kind of want to start is I'm curious, where were you at with Juggernaut, you know, maybe maybe five to ten, ten games in? What, what were your initial impressions after getting the big boy on the table? Yeah, he's a, he's a strange model when you first sort of start playing him and you sort of look at him and go, does he want to be 
a frontline sort of damage dealer or is he, you know, is he going to do some just resilience and sort of sit there and, and take punches to the face or does he want to do some scenario play? Um, and it's obvious the synergies with Brotherhood, but if you take him outside of Brotherhood, it's quite quite a challenge when you're first looking at him. And I've got to give a lot of credit actually to my regular pay partner who's Phil uh, or his name on Discord is Reith. Um, he's a very, very good criminal syndicate player. He's probably the best criminal syndicate player I've, I've seen actually. Um, and he played a lot of Juggernaut right away and I played a lot into Juggernaut right away. So I learned a lot of the play patterns for Juggernaut from the how well Phil played him. So that's a bit of a pretext. Um, but I, you know, when I first started playing him, I didn't really know what to do with him and how to optimise his use. And I sort of just did things until eventually the play pattern started falling into place, if that makes sense. Okay. So at least I don't feel quite as bad if it wasn't all immediately apparent because when I started playing him, I hadn't really gotten a lot of Brotherhood games up to that point. Um, my primary opponent, when Brotherhood came out, wanted to play Brotherhood. And so I started playing X-Men. I was like, I'm, I'm totally cool playing X-Men. And so I was like, oh, it's my time. It's finally, I'm going to do some, do some Magneto. And I was enjoying it and I liked Juggernaut, but my initial feelings were just essentially Juggernaut as a solid five threat and, it could just as easily be other interesting five threats, but he's a good choice. And that's kind of where I had settled. And then I took a break from Brotherhood and was exploring other things. And meanwhile, the internet's blowing up and people, Juggernaut's busted, Juggernaut's broken, best character in the game. He needs cleaned up. And I was like, I was just backing off from that a little bit. But then as things proceeded, I was listening to you. And so I'm curious from there, how did it evolve for you? As you were starting to play Juggernaut more, what 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 were you learning from him? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a good question. And, you know, nothing, you can do the hot takes of cards and look at them and, and that gives you a certain level of understanding or maybe lack of understanding. But as we all know, that when you start putting things <laughs> on like the, the hot takes are more, often more wrong than they are right. Oh, look, absolutely. They're, they're, they're yeah. purely entertainment. Um, sometimes, you know, they're entertainment. But as yeah. we know, when you put things on the table and start getting reps in, um, it depends a lot on what style of player you are and how you play with your models. But you'll find some play patterns that start to make sense for you and your style. And you'll find, I, I, I found the juggernaut, things that I really liked about him, what he could do for my team. And the way I sort of tried to frame it was um, taking a step back and thinking about, okay, I've got this big five threat character. Uh, it's new and it's doing things that we haven't seen before in the game on his release. So what's my frame of reference for how I want to use him? And so I think, and you and I might have chatted away on, on Discord about this, but I, I tried to frame it in some categories that I, I think he really excels at. You know, things like durability, mobility, um, displacement of enemy characters, his ability to score himself, his ability to spike some damage, and also in a lesser extent, um, he can clear some staggers. So I tried to frame the way I wanted to use him using those categories where I think he really excels. And once I, I thought about that more and understood how he fit into the game plan under those categories, then the use case for him actually became quite straightforward in how I wanted to play him. So that might be a convoluted way of saying how I develop play patterns, but that's the way I sort of got to the stage of where I'm at now on how I like playing him. Well, I don't think it's as weird. That's not something I would necessarily do for every character that came out. But listeners, I know I've at least briefly mentioned this because I, I was at a point where I just wasn't that hyped for jugs and 
I listened to a Strike Better episode, and you had essentially described him as one of those evergreen, like going to be a huge part of the meta for years to come, maybe best in class five. And even to a certain extent, you you compared him to Black Panther, where you were just like, this this is just going to be one of those staples. And I I shy away from just agreeing with everyone else online. I'm often I often find that people fall in love with characters I think are mediocre. I think people don't give a chance to explore finesse characters enough. So I always take the online opinion with a grain of salt. But I've found in general, I tend to agree with your opinions in in a lot of cases. So hearing you say that made me at least step back and pause. And we had a good Discord chat about him. And that was kind of how I approached it after we talked. I was like, okay. I've only played him really in Brotherhood. So let me think about who would potentially want this kind of character that does the things that Juggernaut does. And then when I started exploring him, I found that while he's perfectly solid in Brotherhood, I actually thought he was a lot stronger in other places. And my journey in Web Warriors had some good success. And then I was trying him in X-Men. Now he's probably my favorite five for X-Men. Or it's I'm not just flipping a point. I'm also probably half killing a character and pushing them off the point. And it just tilts all sorts of things in his favor. The things that he would do on cubes where suddenly I have X-23 and Jugs both holding cubes. And so they're not really taking any damage. And it's just little situations like that that add up over time and led me to really, really liking him overall as, as that kind of progressed. So with all of that said, I'm kind of curious, what, where do you land now on Juggernaut and his role in the current MCP meta? Mm. Hey, great comments, by the way, about you, um, you know, listening to online commentary and different podcasts and opinions. And I think you're exactly right. I mean, people are biased by what they enjoy and what suits their style and what their, their isolated or relatively isolated meta is. So it's always good to be skeptical about opinions and then, and then test them for yourself. So I think you're on the money. In terms of um, where Juggernaut is in the meta right now, from my perspective, uh, I, still, I still think he's the best five in the game with our current leases and, and what we know. And I think his role in the meta is in whatever squad you're playing, I would argue that Juggernaut could go in there and probably, probably not all the time, but probably enhance your roster. And the reason for that is I think he brings something unique to Marvel in that he is an anchor for your squad. And when I say an anchor for your squad, he is one of the rare characters that you can put out onto a, a mid-sea line, secure, or go and grab that F-shaped extract that's in contention in the middle, or put him out there um, with relative safety that there's not much in the game that can actually daze and KO him. Now, you'll get the occasional spike on the occasional game where it'll happen, but he he is super durable and super reliable. And because of his size four and his helmet superpower, he's incredibly difficult to displace. So for my mind, having that role or that model in your squad who can anchor the rest of your squad in that center point or that key point in the map um, then allows your rest of your squad to pivot off that, that anchor and do what you need to do, be it attrition, point scoring, displacement, whatever. And so that's how I still view him. And I still think with our current releases that he is... Um, significantly better than the other fives in the game. And I think he would enhance almost every roster he goes into for that role. Interesting. I'm not sure I'm ready to go that far, but I will say he's absolutely my favorite five in X-Men. And I think there's a lot of reason to run him 
in quite a few places. And I think the thing that really ended up hitting home for me about Juggernaut was two things. One being he's got cool control elements to him, but a lot of the control characters in the game are on the slightly more fragile side. Let's excuse Thanos from the conversation for a moment, Mm -hmm. but you know, just say uh, Enchantress, she used to be a favorite amongst the community as that character to activate last, but her overall durability was relatively middle of the road. And so having this powerful piece that can displace characters and also is very likely to live to the end of the round is huge. And that's that's where I think he really stands out in kind of a unique sense where there's just not very many characters that have his level of impact, not just on a damage dealing scale, but also from a control scale. And he's he's got the survivability to go with it. And he's a little hard to deal with. Yeah, I mean, they're all good points. And, and I'll just circle back to what I said before about the player perspective. And for my style of play, I rate him the best because it suits my style. And so for different players who might have, let's call it, you know, Thanos is a great example. If your style is, hey, I want to go all in on Thanos, like a current um, Pat Dunford Guardians of the Galaxy roster, he probably doesn't mm-hmm. have room for Juggernaut in his roster because he's he's taken up and consumed yeah, he's always going to play. Yeah, That's he's right. always taken up eight points with Thanos. Like the number yeah. of times that you can play Jugs is... At 20, if you play Star-Lord, Nebula, and uh, Rocket, which is probably not what you want to do. Yeah, and then you've got other rosters. You know, I think a really strong um, roster at the moment is a Steve uh, Avengers roster with Black Cat and Voodoo playing pure scenario and just leveraging the leadership and those broken, not I shouldn't say broken, those really strong abilities by Voodoo and Black Cat. Um, there's probably no room for Juggernaut in that style of play. So it's a good point. It doesn't fit everyone's style, but it fits my style. Um, and the other thing I want to say around it, though, is we've spoken about his durability and his ability to survive and take a hit and still be there at the end of the round. But his mobility really, really surprises people if you're new to playing him or new to playing against him. Him um, having a bunch of power, he can do his move, do a punch, and then slide around the board, um, secure objectives, pick up extracts, slide into characters, deal some damage, or get to the other side of the table. And his mobility is situationally better than Angela's. And, I mean, that's Angela's a long mover. So that that key piece of the mobility on Juggernaut um, really tips him over the edge for my mind on why I love him so much in Marvel. That is certainly something I'm going to circle back around to at a certain point in this episode because action economy is kind of my buzzword right now where – I'm almost to the point that if a character doesn't have good action economy, I have to seriously be asking why they are not being replaced with someone with great action economy. And I think Jugs is a big part of why I'm feeling that way when you have this character that, to a certain extent, always does their thing, right? It's really hard to displace them to an extent that they don't get to do their thing. And maybe Jugs spoils me a little bit in that sense, because not only is he hard to displace, but he also has great action economy. And so that that is a really good point. His, his ability to essentially very consistently do what you want him to do uh, is very impressive. And so you you have definitely swayed me on on Juggernaut. And even when I'm trying other things, I'm always, should Juggernaut be in here? Oh, I can't really play Juggernaut with what I'm trying to test. But maybe yeah. in the long run, when I'm not trying to force X, Juggernaut finds his way in. Um, 
Yeah, that's, but yeah, that's, Juggernauts is great. That's fair. I mean, the other thing, we'll probably talk about this a little bit more as we speak about a, a second character soon, but the other beauty I, I find in Juggernaut is the, the predicament it puts your opponent in, in that if you put Juggernaut up in the middle on that key center secure or extract or whatever it is we spoke about before, it leaves your opponent with a conundrum of do I do I spend, do I invest my you know um, really valuable actions that are only limited, I only get so many actions in this game, into attacking one of the most resilient characters that exists at the moment. Um, if I do that and Juggernaut blocks them all or only takes a few chip damage here or there and I don't actually daze and KO him, what have I actually achieved? So they've got to make a decision of do I want to go into Juggernaut? Do I have the tools available to daze and or KO him or you know displace him? Um, and if I do, maybe they go after it and maybe they get lucky, but maybe they don't. Um, but if they don't have those tools, They've now got to work through Juggernaut into the back lines of your team, and Juggernaut's virtually got free reign. So it's a really interesting predicament you can place your opponent in with a big hitter or a big boy, like a big size four like Juggernaut, of, hey, you know, do they go into them or not? And sometimes they might pour some fire into him for a round or two, and then we spoke about his mobility. He can just get out of town and then slide over to the other side of the board, and all of a sudden you've invested all this you know, actions and damage and whatever into Juggernaut. He's powered up on the other side of the board in, in relative safety. So that's a, I suppose that's a really subtle part of playing the big boys and it's hard to describe, but it's something to keep in the back of your mind as you're thinking about how to play them and what position it puts your opponent into, what, what mindset it can put your opponent into when you're playing. Yeah, you're 100% right. It's something with Juggernaut where obviously if we describe status effects, right, staggers the most powerful one. When you just cost your opponent an action, right, that's the worst. And every action that someone puts into Juggernaut, if you don't hit that certain threshold where you're actually threatening him and he has to change his play pattern and do something he didn't want to do, you've essentially wasted actions. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you put two or three attacks into him and only get two or three damage into him and he's still just doing his thing, though, and you don't ever daze him, and over the course of that game, those actions were essentially meaningless. Yep, and it frees up the rest of your team to to do what they want to do relatively yeah. unhindered. So, it's it's a predicament. Yeah, and I've I had a game at a local tournament where Jugs ended up with three cubes, and it was like round three or four, and he had one damage on him. Wow! Just because I took one damage from the cube round one, and then every other cube damage I was negating and that's just it's so it's kind of unfair at times well because um, he can pick up two cubes in round one if you've got priority you know a, a flank one and then a center one and then he can negate both of that damage um the top of round two um and that's, i that's, didn't even do that i would just started yeah. killing people holding cubes, yeah, I, think. That. <laughs> um, I think he started with one um, I'm curious though, Charles, what's, um, in terms of your play patterns, do you have a sort of an identified play pattern on how, you know, like a, not a set play, but hey, round one, I want Juggernaut to do X and then round two onwards, I want him to do Y. Do you have that sort of clear in your mind on how you like to play him? I know X-Men's a bit tricky because you probably want to leverage the storm hop off his big base, etc. But I'm just curious about your general play patterns for the first two rounds and how you frame it. So with X-Men, if I have spider portals he will almost always be my last activation of round one and he will get the storm hop and then he will move plus slide punch someone off of a point. Yep. That's 
or, you know, worst case scenario, I don't get the wild and I don't knock them off the point and I just try to flip the spider portal with three dice and go for the 50-50. But most of the time I knock someone off the point. Sometimes I just outright daze their character because it's eight dice. If a slight spike and you get to five successes and they roll no blocks, which is not that weird of a situation, right? Yep. You might just daze someone. Yeah, or generate the extra power to slot into them to daze them, yeah. Right, yeah. Even if you do four damage and now they're at one, you might slide into them and just kill them. Mm. And so that is the way I almost always play him on spider portals. And I just did a whole episode on the kind of going long strategy with him. And for the most part, it works. I really don't have a set pattern with him for round two. It's very reactive. Uh, I actually think I misplayed against uh, DeLuca at uh, LSO where he had had uh, voodoo on his back point and I slid forwards and punched him off the point and I did about three damage or something. And so I had a half killed him and because my domino was holding the alien ship in my mind, I was like, if I can protect domino, I win. And so I activated domino first to try to like, puts try to see if I were going to spike into the character over there and then moved Domino away, but it really wasn't going to be enough. He blew two tactics cards together, but in retrospect, he, um, he possessed voodoo with all that power or voodoo possessed jugs. And I spent multiple rounds where jugs couldn't interact and couldn't pick up the alien ship, which probably cost me the game. And in retrospect, I think I should have just f- gone all in on voodoo because I would still probably, even if I don't kill him, which three damage is pretty likely, I would probably have the power to slide into him and get him dazed before he could ever possess jugs. And that probably would have stayed in my favor throughout the game. And so I still don't think my play patterns are perfect with him because he has so many good patterns. He does. Um, How do you yeah. feel? At his tactic card, uh, do you know who I am? So it's the, the one where you can throw a size four character or terrain piece and you can throw it long. Do you find your preference in throwing characters to get them as far away from pos- uh, from you as possible or do you find your preference in throwing terrain to try and spike big damage? I have never thrown terrain with it. Mm. I have always thrown characters away long. Yep. Yeah, I find I'm... I've thrown terrain in the past, but I find it's more consistent and reliable to the character throw. Just to, to get those those characters you don't want to interfere with your toys, get them out of there. It's a, it's a good use, isn't it? Yeah, there's been so many games. I had a uh, Deluca and I showed up at a local store uh, before LSO and just played games with locals. And I had a game where his uh, Black Bolt spiked into Jugs and did three damage. And I had failed to flip the point, and then Lockjaw was there. And so I ended up using, do you know who I am, round one to launch Lockjaw long back towards his deployment. And he was holding a spider, which triggered at the start of round two. So Lockjaw was literally on his board edge Brilliant. at the beginning of round two. Yep. Um, and I don't usually play it round one, but I happen to have exactly three power on him. And it just worked out. I wanted, I, it was meteors. So the importance of getting that first three point score was so big. I felt like it was worth the card. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's great. Especially now that Indom is restricted. The card is kind of insane. It's a good card. I probably underrated it initially 
And then the more I played with Juggernaut, the more I went, oh, no, okay, this this card, if Juggernaut's been played, this card's been played as well. His other card's not bad, but mm. Do You Know Who I Am is just so good. Mm. Yeah, it's strong. So. All right. Well, I'm sure that overall the listeners realize that Juggernaut is a very good character, but I thought it'd be very interesting to kind of talk through our journey a little bit. Um, Juggernaut is a character I always thought was cool. I grew up on X-Men cartoons and such. Um, but now let's talk about a character that in the comics and movies and stuff, I could really care less about Hulk. So he's never been a character that I was drawn to, but it's another size four. It's another size four that got buffed, right? As all the other characters that can affect size fours kind of took some nerfs. And so I was curious now with Hulk, when you first saw the eroded version and you started getting your first games with him, what was your initial impression of the eroded Hulk? Wow. So, I, I mean, I, I absolutely love Hulk. Um, I love Hulk in the – I bought some comic. I'm not a big comic reader, but I bought the World War Hulk comic series. Uh, it was fantastic. I have heard that that was a really good one, and I should potentially read that, and that might make me love Hulk. That's good. It, it's good. Um, and I really liked Hulk, in, especially Thor Ragnarok. I thought Hulk was excellent in there. But so I'm a big Hulk fan. In fact, um, I've said this a few times on different platforms, but um, – when my friend first said, hey, there's a new game coming out called Marvel, I was like, oh, great. Um, does it have Hulk? And he said, yes. And so I bought it straight <laughs> away on the, on the basis of Hulk. And I, I said to myself, I'm going to play Hulk every game regardless of his rule set. And that lasted about three games when he was a, a bit of a dud way back in the day. Yeah. But, um, you know, when he did get his errata and his buffs, uh, I didn't know quite what to think of him because I was so, I suppose, biased or tainted from the, the previous Hulk really struggled with his action economy because he didn't generate power through his strikes. He was only reactive for receiving damage. Uh, but then I, I played him in a three-box challenge and uh, I immediately fell in love with him as a Marvel character on the in MCP as opposed to just a Marvel character. So it took me a while to figure out, the uh, I suppose, the the delicate balance that is playing Hulk in that if you overcommit him, sometimes he can be dazed in round two. But if you undercommit him, then you're not getting value out of your sixth threat. So I always think it's a bit of a fine line you need to walk with Hulk about how much do I commit him and what role does he have to play in my squad that will help me win this game. Do I have to roll on some big seven dice punches or do I have to rely on his displacement? Or, similar to we spoke about Juggernaut, do I want him to absorb a whole bunch of fire so the rest of my squad can do what I need to do and score VPs? So initially it took me some time to figure out how to optimise his play patterns for my style, but now I feel very comfortable with Hulk and I love having Hulk on the table and I feel like if Hulk's on the table, I have a chance. All right, interesting. Yeah, my I did not play very much with him when the errata hit. I, uh, I played a game before we knew that his defensive power was going to go up a point and it's funny because... It was after we saw the rules. Pagani came into the store and saw me devastate this other opponent with this Steve Hulk list, and Hulk just ended up owning this one side of the table. And so there's always this this thing in the back of my head, like, was that part of it? Did did I help? Like, was there a was there a feather drop there that I you know potentially pushed it over the edge? Where like, okay, maybe he is just a little too durable. We got to dial something back. I don't I don't know, um, and I wouldn't ask him. Um, but I was kind of, I was kind of feeling Hulk. And then I got, 
I got the win kind of sucked out when he took that defensive nerve. I was like four power. So it's like only like you're probably never using it unless you're playing Steve. You know, you maybe it's a once per game reroll. Like how often is that going to even come up? And I was a little sad about that. Um, and I kind of veered away from him and I had some locals that kept throwing him at me. And it was right as I was testing Hulkbuster and so I was just terrorizing Hulk with Hulkbuster, like pushing him away, never letting him do anything. And then he'd come into me and I'd meteor punch him twice and then chuck something at him and he'd have no power because I just did meteor punches. And, and I was just kind of like terrorizing Hulk players. And I just, I didn't, he, I didn't see something in him where I wanted to play that character. Faced him in a couple of events and again, still, you know, felt like I could mitigate him and not really have to deal with him. And I don't know how much of that is that Hulk is a challenging character to play, but my initial impressions, the way I would describe them would be they made Hulk good enough that someone who likes Hulk could play Hulk and have reasonable success with him and wouldn't feel like he was holding back the roster. But I wasn't feeling like he was a top tier six threat that was better than just including two great three threats. And that was kind of where I was initially at with him. So from there, I'm curious, as you started playing Hulk more, because it wasn't that far into the new, the next season where you were actually playing Hulk a fair amount, right? After post errata. That's right. So, I mean, I love your comments and I think they're really accurate about people starting to play Hulk in that you're like, yeah, he's kind of okay, but he's sometimes he's a bit of a dud. And you've sort of got to go through, anyway, we go back to play styles, but for my play style, once you go through that initial journey, I'm now at the point uh, where I think Hulk is the best character in the game, single full stop period at the moment, as we speak right now. now that okay. Well, timestamp, you know, yeah. August August 5th, yep. releasing August uh, 8th, um, best character in the game. I, I, I admit, I'm still, even with my additional testing, that surprises me a little, but I am very interested in hearing your thoughts. Yeah, yeah. And look, as you, again, we circle back to playstyles. Um, but for me, I mean, he's got a real challenge with Malekith on his hands now. So if we could wind it back a couple of weeks um, before Malekith was previewed, I'd be much more confident saying that. <laughs> but, um, he he can do it all. And I think you've really identified, though, that it's he. I think he's hard to play well. Um, I think he's really hard to play well, actually, because sometimes you get this rush of blood with him that, oh, I've got this big six threat, I want to throw him in there and roll these big dice and try and get these huge spikes. And often they just don't happen and you just sort of flop out and, and don't do any damage. Uh, and then when he's overcommitted, he can just get burned down really quickly. So players have to go through a bit of a journey, I think. Not all players. Some players will, will pick it up quite easily. But I think you have to go through a bit of a journey and refine your play patterns with Hulk to really get the optimal value. But also, he's got to fit in the roster. He's got to fit in the right roster. And so when I say I think he's the best character in the game right now, when I build my rosters, I build my rosters around how can I best fit in Hulk. Now, he doesn't make the table all the time for me because he's not doesn't fit in you know the, the crisis or my opposing you know the matchup all the time. He's not the best character all the time. But in general, I think he is. And he can do things uh, that very, very few other characters can do on the table in terms of action economy. I mean, he's got a charge slash hit and run. It's the same thing. He's Gamma Leap. He's got, you know, two, um, he can do two great builders and he's got a throw. He's got a, a push on his, a displacement on his attack. He's got an automatic size four throw if, online every round and he's got a throw attached to his spender as well. 
So and he can you know he can cover a huge amount of board distance. So on his base stats, he's he's really good. And then you've got to look for the synergies on okay, how do I enhance this great foundation of Hulk's action economy, high health pool, big attacks, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Where can I actually fit him in? And that's where I think there's a real becomes a challenge because he doesn't fit in everywhere very well just because he's so expensive. So finding the right place and finding the right balance in your roster is also really challenging. So we've already, we're talking about two challenges now with Hulk. Challenge one is how do I refine my play patterns to optimize what he does on the table? At the same time, challenge two, I need to optimize my roster to make him fit in there and be the, the shining star. And you try and you merge those two things together, and that's that's a real pickle for a player. Um, and many players who might not be as invested in Hulk as I am go, well, I just don't want to do that. I'd rather do something uh, that I like better or that's easier or whatever it is. But what I'm saying... Well, so I, I don't want to interrupt you too much, yep. but I want to add, I feel like there is a third element as well with when and where you deploy Hulk and for his matchups as well is kind of another challenge on top of that, because you don't necessarily, he's not the character you want playing into everything all the time. You probably don't want him on the same side of the table as black cat staggering him. And you know, you, you have a lot to think about there too. Like it's still a very challenging character to deploy. Oh, you're right. He is. Um, and look, you know, sometimes I do line him up against black cat, but that's a different story, but you're right. Um, yeah. There's a lot of challenges going on with him and it's not easy to do, but I've found for my experience and my play style that I feel I've been rewarded for investing um, to figure out how to play him optimally, um, you know, in, in how I play, and then figuring out how to optimise my roster for him. Um, and that's I've found a, a large reward for that, and he's doing really well for me. And I think, I, you know, the back of, you know, I won season six with Sam Avengers. There was no Hulk. Season seven, I won, I think, largely off the back of Hulk in Guardians. And now in season eight, I'm playing Hulk again in Sam Avengers, and he's performing really strongly. And a large part of my success is thanks to Hulk. So for my mind at the moment, um, what he does is really, really valuable for my play style, and I think he's exceptional. So you're saying that he's the best at what he does, and what he does <laughs> isn't very nice. Poor <laughs> uh, uh, Wolverine, hey? Yeah. Hey, we got a new. We got another one coming. We got Logan on the horizon. I have faith. They yeah. won't mess it up twice. I've spoken a lot, and I do apologize about that. But where are you at with Hulk? I mean, have you are you trying to jam him in X Men, or are you trying to where, where are you at and trying to sort of figure him out and get him on the table? Well, so I, I've said this a lot publicly in the X Men chat and in my Discord. I'm I'm taking a break from X Men because I really don't want my podcast to be all X Men all the time. And I was really happy to have Ghostier on for an episode and talk about his X Men. And then Jesse just happened to win LSO and go six and zero with X Men. And so there's been a lot of X-Men talk, but I really want to be a player who experiences everything. So I'm not testing him with X-Men at all right now. I'm not playing a single game with X-Men until the end of September. Um, not saying I'm guaranteed switching back to X-Men, but I'm at least taking two months off, kind of like the way I did after Adepticon, where I played basically Daredevil criminals and was just usurping the throne with Killmonger and actually killed a lot of juggernauts that way. I forgot to mention that that was a lot of fun because Juggernaut was super popular and Killmonger just eating Juggernauts was actually pretty hilarious. But um, no, I'm not testing him in X-Men. I do think that's a possibility. Um, and I know a lot of people have had Hulkbuster success in X-Men, but the six can be a little weird there. So my tests since our last discussion have all been uh, Avengers and Guardians. 
no, just I... because there there wasn't another spot that super excited me. And I really wanted to play some things that I felt like most of the time I would feel comfortable putting Hulk on the table. And so it kind of key threat values, right? When you're playing Avengers and you have a, access to a three threat leader and Guardians have a three threat leader and have a two that they like, it's just, it's easier to fit Hulk in for the testing purposes. Um, I'm not saying those are the only places you would play him. Um, Look, I agree. I think they're two great places for him. Are you finding, are you playing him more under Cap or more under Sam? Or are you, are you trying to equal to, to both and see how he feels in, in well, each? Well, the weird thing is, literally every game has ended up being 18 threat. Okay. Um, which has just been a weird luck where hammers has been showing up a lot and mutant madmen has been showing up a lot. And so it's just, it's been 18 threat. And so most of my games since we discussed have been Steve, a three threat, a Koye Hulk and Heimdall because I was just really happy with my Heimdall paint job and I wanted to play him some more too. And I thought the concept of Heimdall having the ability to give some rerolls to Hulk, get some defensive rerolls for Hulk, maybe even a place here and there would be, would be pretty cool. Um, and sometimes the downside, if you play say pit of flips or something, having Hulk fail a key flip could be really bad. Heimdall can help with that too. And so I thought it would be a situation where I would be unlikely to be disappointed in him. I felt like I was building a list that would be put the best foot forward, so to speak. That's fair. Was can kind I, of was my kind of my thought. Can I offer you an alternate squad at eighteen? That's currently sure. one of my favorites to play. So Sam, Hulk, Black Widow, Juggernaut, and Toad. Interesting. I was. I was not putting Juggernaut in this particular roster because I wasn't sure how much I would play him with Hulk, but I do like the concept there. And I will say from the testing, even though I've had good success with Okoye under Steve and like the interchangeable bodyguards, I liked it, but I have been thinking a bit about Black Widow in the times where I would have just liked my two to be stealthy and just not be attacked. Um, would be very nice. So that's a who that's a powerhouse team of the big boys. So, you know, we spoke about Juggernaut and we spoke about Hulk. I mean, and this is an obvious answer to an easy question, but what's better than running one big boy? Running two of them. Um and the beauty of that that squad is that, you know, you love pay to flips. I love playing pay to flips at the moment as well. Is that you've got two big boys in Hulk and Jugs and you've got three really mobile support characters in Sam, Black Widow, and Toad. So you can go and put that forward pressure on your opponent with Hulk and Juggernaut, and then your backline scoring can be done by your minnows. Now, if you want to trigger some Sam leadership, you can put your minnows forward and go and get them dazed, and that will only help your game plan with Hulk and Juggernaut. And you can adapt that to, to the crisis and your opponent. But I think it offers – I think it's a wonderful squad. Could it be yeah, better? I, um, sure, it's probably better at 19, um, and it probably gets better again at 20. But I think for 18, it's um, it's been really strong for me, and I've really enjoyed playing it because it gives you a good balance of – I love playing five wide. It gives you enough uh, redundancy in pay to flips and bodies on the table. It gives you enough bodies to pick up the F-shaped extracts. It offers you some frontline fighters. It offers you great control and offers you great mobility and scoring. So give it a go um, and see what you think. Yeah, I think my plan is to eventually get to the point where I'm trying them together. And that's 
uh, again, something we'll kind of come back to a little later in this episode. Uh, what I was going to tell you, I know that you were not a War Machine player and you came from the X-Wing side. But an interesting realization for me during this journey with first Jugs and now Hulk. So I was not a spam player in War Machine. And to give you just an idea, a uh, a more spammy team in War Machine could have as many as 50 or 60 models. Right. And I was well known for playing the much lower model count teams where I played a dragon faction and I would for the most part in a game where most people are playing 30, 40, 50 models, I often had maybe 20 and maybe even less than that. And where a lot of them were basically just five dragons. Well, that, and my, my thought process was, is you can remove the smaller models from the table and then they're gone and they don't contribute. Whereas if you did half of the damage to this dragon, I still get the full effectiveness of that dragon until you actually get it off the table. And that was kind of how I played. And I will admit that coming to playing more of Hulk kind of reminds me a little bit of that, especially, I mean, I had a really crazy game at LSO where someone was just like murdering my characters left and right. It just started with just, you know, a baton throw, killing a Koye in one shot. And yep. then that's just the way the, the whole game kind of went that way. It was just characters were getting one shot left and right. But when you're playing the more um, the more wider team with lots of threes, you, you do to a certain extent kind of expect to lose them at certain points. And then they you'll have rounds where they don't get to activate. But you can't really do that to Hulk. And so it's this different thing that if you can play Hulk well, you're always getting that sixth threat worth of effectiveness throughout the whole game. And it's never taken away from you. And that's the part of it. That's been very intriguing for me because it reminded me a bit of how I played war machine where it's just, I just have to keep this character alive and then they get this, this degree of effectiveness. And uh, I just thought I would share that with you. Cause I feel like that's a little bit of what you've been experiencing with Hulk and juggernaut. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a really good way to articulate it. And the, the other part um, is also obvious, but it's worth saying, is that Hulk only becomes more effective the more damage he takes. And all of a sudden, you know, Hulk rolling a 10 or 11 dice builder, um, things go from pretty scary on a 7 dice builder to, hey, this is this is serious. Like, this is a this is the, this is one of the best attacks getting around. So um, you've got this, you spoke earlier around a predicament of what does your opponent do into Juggernaut, it's much, much worse and more, I suppose, magnified into Hulk in that if you want to commit to Hulk, you need to go all in, I think. Um, otherwise, you just ignore him because if you sort of get to that halfway mark and leave him on around 12 damage, he's now got three extra attack dice and he's got the, you know, he's, he's at full power to do all these tricks and all these toys. So um, you're right. They're effective. Hulk is effective until he's dazed um, in almost all circumstances. Well, and if you try to ignore him, it's a huge problem late game. And I lost a game at LSO to, you know, trying to kind of like play around with Hulk. And I had through Hulk into Star-Lord at one point with Rogue. And, uh, but at the end, it kind of came down to Hulk was fully effective and he was just like killed Black Panther and then killed Shuri. And it would just, it, it kind of spiraled things out of control because like his actions, when they work, they just like knock characters out. And if you don't put pressure on him early, you really can't put pressure on him late. 
And that was something I found out in a, in a test game. I was playing a game against criminals and it was at the beginning, it was looking like the worst loss I was going to have ever experienced. I, at the end of round three, I was losing one to 13 against criminals. It was intrusions researcher and I was playing guardians. But after round three, my opponent never got to score another VP the whole rest of the game because I had already KO'd two of his characters and then all of the other three were injured and I was just starting to pick them off and he just couldn't stay on points. As soon as he activated someone, they would be KO'd or moved from the point. By the end of the game, my opponent had a juggernaut on his injured side with six health left and I still had Star-Lord healthy with one hit point. Hulk had like one damage or two damage from using the intrusion portals. And I still had an injured hood. And I think I had an injured Drax. That's a, that's a hell of a comeback. I don't think I've ever had a comeback like that. That's yeah. I was dude at at, round three. I was like, I've lost this game. There's no way I'm coming back from one to 13. Yeah. You know, and this is not gamma. Right. Um, and I feel like, I love my opponent, um, also a Jacob, absolutely wonderful guy, friend from the War Machine community, and also he played a lot of Guild Ball, and I know he probably felt like that was going to be a victory for him, and I was, I just played that murder train and just kept it going, and it just eventually, eventually worked out, and he just couldn't score, and Hulk, he, he was like, I have to have a plan for Hulk, because mm. I just couldn't keep Juggernaut on a point, and... You know, he just he didn't really have a play come the late game. His characters just weren't surviving. He he actually switched leaderships to Daredevil at one point, but I dazed both Kingpin and Daredevil. And so Daredevil got one activation with the leadership, got like one reroll, and then I killed Daredevil. Wow. It's it's interesting though. One one of the things that you said before sort of um piqued my interest a bit, and I want to pull the string on it, was about Hulk. Sure. Either you um you you know, you go into him early, you put the pressure on him early, or you don't. And I want to circle back to when I said, hey, it's quite hard to play Hulk and, and figure out how how much you want to commit him. And a large part of it is when I play Hulk, I need to guess how hard my opponent's going to go into him or if my opponent's going to ignore him. And that's that's hard to do because I can look at the characters opposite me and I can look at the tactic cards opposite me and I can look at the crisis shape and I can predict what I think I would do, but you don't know your opponent's mindset. Now, if your opponent's mindset is, hey, I'm going all in on Hulk, um, he's waiting for you know your Hulk to overcommit, and he's going to pour everything on it, and probably end up dazing him, or, and then therefore KOing him. Um, yeah. But if your opponent uh, is not is going to ignore Hulk, um, you are playing sort of cautiously, um, so you don't want to have, have him overcommitted and therefore lose him. It's real. It's it's quite challenging as a player of Hulk about how far do I want to commit him forward to a place where I then can't extract him out of there if he's in trouble. And so that's that's a key part as well of learning how to play Hulk is is timing your run with him and trying to suss out what your opponent's going to do with Hulk once he's there, um, and trying to it's very hard to articulate on a podcast, but trying to figure out your opponent's play patterns um, early to see if he's going to ignore Hulk or go all in on Hulk is one of the key points to being successful with Hulk. I think does that ring a bell with you in in your Hulk games? 100%. And it, it actually brought me back. There was something that you said that I keep meaning to come back to where you felt like Hulk is a character that you, you he's kind of hard to play. 
And the more you play him, the more you're going to get out of him. Again, I don't use the the floor ceiling reference anymore because everybody thinks it means something different. (laughs) Um, But Hulk is one of those characters. And I think all the X-Men listeners for sure will understand this because I view X-Men this way as an affiliation. They're an affiliation that the more you play them, the more you're going to get out of them, the more that you're going to see interesting storm hop shenanigans and the more that you're positioning precisely for all of those cool movements, the, and the more that you're like, I'm going to position this character just perfectly. So they're going to stay outside of two and get cover and all those things add up and you just get better and better. And they're, they're an affiliation that extra playtime really makes you play better with them. And I think Hulk is the same way where he's a character that's very easy to play wrong. And if you, overcommit him like my last game he just took a shit ton of damage from bucky like Mm -hmm. bucky just shot him all day long and i eat end of the game i won but he had three health left it was it was a very very slim edge of survival and and i was trying to like make sure that bucky couldn't red fury into him and he's he takes a lot of thought to play but i do think that he rings that same note for me where he's a character that maybe if I invest a lot of time into him and figure out more ways to play him correctly and have the right support models at the right time or the right time to not have support models and just let him do his thing. And the more experience I have, he may be a character that I just get more out of. And I think that's essentially what you were, what you were getting at. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good insight. Yep. Um, and a big part of it is he's got good action economy, right? He's got a he's got a throw that only costs two that throws someone medium mm-hmm. and it throws anyone but Dormammu. And so you can use that defensively, you can use it offensively. And some of that is a really subtle decision. When when do you you know when do you make attacks? And I had a game where I, I spendered and I realized I didn't want to have spendered and I wanted to keep power on him for re-rolls and um and a, and a bigger patch up on someone. And it, it's, he's, he is certainly not easy to play, but I am seeing, I am starting to feel that reward for getting more practice with him. Yeah. It's interesting. The, the throws and the attacks with Hulk. I mean, these are general principles and they're not always right. You, you'd sort of adapt them to the situation, but I find his attack is to get the, you know, the attrition advantage. Um, that's a pretty obvious straightforward one, but his throw, I, I mostly use for, you know, more like board positioning advantage, and I use it for a lot of displacement um, to effectively stagger characters in some some respects. So, you know, another one, if you're learning how to play Hulk, instead of just going, hey, I'm going to punch, punch, then throw and try and do more damage, sometimes that's the right play. But sometimes you're better off doing a couple of big attacks. You either get them or you don't. And then use his throw to displace someone so they can't do whatever whatever great move they want to do. And there's plenty of examples of recorded games where maybe a throw would have been better of a character than a, than a um, piece of terrain. But that's one to keep in the back of the mind is I find a lot his displacement is one of his strongest aspects as opposed to just his big health pool and his big attacks. 100%. I, I do think you have to, to a certain extent, view him as a control piece first mm. that has reasonable attrition. And maybe it was playing jugs kind of helped me accept that play style going into it. And I think I've seen too many people that just want to play him, almost kind of play him like you think people want to play Malekith, right? He just yeah. charges forward and makes attacks, but they're just seven dice. And we all know sometimes seven dice doesn't do anything. <laughs> Yeah, no, you, you're, you're, spot, you're spot on. Um, I, I like that actually. Um, think of him as a control piece first. That that rings true with how I play him. And then if he gets his his big damage, then then great. That's a bonus. 
Yeah, he's he's kind of a control piece, but there are certainly moments where he just kills something. And oh, yeah. yeah. Uh a little bit more like a cheaper Thanos, where when Thanos kills someone, you're happy, but that wasn't exactly your initial plan. Mm, yeah, geez, Thanos is good, isn't he? But uh yeah. <laughs> for a different day. <laughs> um yeah, and it's it's it can be very subtle. Like I had this interesting game with Hulk where uh my opponent's Mordo uh had picked up a hammer and it was spider portals and he then rolled a skull and so it I teleported him towards me. So at the beginning of round two and he was he was already kind of all the way forward. So now he's like practically middle of the board. And I had ended up positioning Hulk where he had taken the middle hammer and then kind of moved forward. And so the way things started was this weird combination where he punched and finished off Mordo because I, I think I shot him with someone. I don't, I don't remember at the moment. Maybe it was Iron Man. I just put a f- couple points of damage in him where Hulk dazes him and I have him drop the hammer in the specific position because he's already holding a hammer. And so I Avengers assemble into this perfect spot where I can throw this size three building at Gamora and... And I, the power was so tight where I had to do it in this right order where I had Avengers assemble before I pick up the other hammer. And so it only cost me two instead of three. Throw the building at Gamora and then pick up the hammer and then leap forwards and then punch Gamora and daze her and pick up her hammer. And then suddenly Hulk has three hammers and it just spiraled out of control. But it was this very delicate order of activation and using Avengers assemble and... um yeah, it took me like five minutes to even like figure out the right way to do this because he wasn't just wasn't in the perfect position to throw the terrain yet. And um, yeah, he's he's a super interesting piece. I he's I definitely give him more credit than I initially did. Mm. It's a good. I mean, I know we're about to move on to talk about some other stuff, but um, you do raise a good point around Hulk and or Juggernaut holding extracts. You know, if you don't have let's call it Black Cat or Voodoo or maybe Enchantress nowadays tech to get it off them. If you if they scoop up an extract or two or a key sort of single extract in a game, if you don't have the firepower to get them down, which often you know mid to late game you just won't. That's that's a real problem for your opponent, and that's another real strength for those you know uber resilient characters with high health pools. That once they get that key extract, man, you've got a you've got a hard journey ahead of you to to undo the good work they're going to do scoring those VPs. And even if they have the right character, there's times that they might end up on the wrong side of the board. And this is also why I don't tend to play the ease because you can you can play that counter deployment and try to be like, well, do you want to deal with this thing over here and like score these VPs with voodoo, but then maybe leave Hulk for the chance. Like I literally had a game against Norbert at um, Adepticon in the team up event where right as like Corvus, Proxima and Voodoo all moved to the left side, then Hulk picks up the alien ship on the right side. There've been like 11 attempts or 13 attempts in and like three of them had been with Corvus and we had not found the alien ship. And then Hulk gets it at near the end of like round two or something. And I literally told Norbert, I'm like, I'm pretty sure this game is just over. Dream. <laughs> yeah. I, there's, I just don't see any way that we're going to be able to deal with this, but um. Um, but yeah, so I want to want to move forward a little bit. We had already kind of talked a bit about how Hulk fits in the meta, and I was curious to ask you how do you how do you tell kind of which situation is better for Juggernaut and which situation is better for Hulk? Is there a difference? Is it just threat value? What's your thoughts there? 
I do think there's a difference. And again, general principles, um, you have to use a bit of intuition as well here, but I find that I preference Juggernaut over Hulk if I see a big damage character in my opposing roster. So, um, or a or a real attrition roster. So I'm thinking about Black Order, I'm thinking about Brotherhood, and I'm thinking about Corvus specifically with the Reality Gem. He might be a splash in there. Um, I'm unsure where I sit on Malekith at the moment. Um, it maybe depends where Malekith, what affiliation he goes into. But those style of things, I generally prefer Juggernaut, and that's because I think he's more resilient because he's got that four physical defense minus one damage. But he's also got the protection of the flip side, the injured side. So if you get him in a bad spot um, and he gets dazed, you've generally um, he's safe for the rest of the round because he's dazed, obviously. Um, and you might be able to get him out of get him out of trouble and, and get him back in the game in the fight. Whereas with Hulk, if you make a misplay and overcommit him into those sort of big damage rosters or big damage characters, he can go down very very quickly in one round, and then he's out of the game and you've lost him. So, you know, Asteroid M is a big part of Brotherhood. You know, bringing in Magneto next to Hulk with six dice reroll all and throwing all the train in the world, that's a bad day for Hulk. Uh, Black Order have um, uh, Mothership and bringing in Corvus with the uh, Death Decrees and the Glaive's Edge and Death Blows, et cetera, he can get down very quickly. So that's in those style of scenarios, I would preference Juggernaut um, for those reasons in that he's just a little bit safer. He can tank a little bit more damage and Juggernaut's quite unappealing for those characters to go into because of his high physical resilience and his minus one damage. Curious. I'm, this is how I have felt so far. And I'm interested to know if you're kind of on the same page, if it's something where I need the big boy to go grab a center extract right away, like first activation, I would much prefer jugs for that role than Hulk. I don't want Hulk eating a bunch of damage potentially on round one. But if I feel like I need to go for that extract right away, and that's my eventual path to victory, like grabbing a center cube or a center spider or something, I'm much happier doing that with Juggernaut. Is that your feeling as well? Or do you like doing that with Hulk? No, that's that's mostly right. And that, that rings true with how I like playing them both. There are some circumstances where I'm I'm happy to do that with Hulk. And there's a few little subtleties in there, like who has priority, what's the rest of the crises, et cetera. But maybe yeah. I'm happy to do it with Hulk um, as an exception as opposed to the rule. If I'm confident he can take some damage but not a large amount, and then I've got priority to get him out of there at the top of round two. So then I can have the scoring advantage, move back to my sort of rear castle um, and just sit there and go, well, what are you going to do about it? So that might be an exception, but in general, absolutely, Juggernaut is the man to go and sit up there and contest a secure or grab that extract with a couple of power in his back pocket and say, what are you going to do about it now? For sure. And, you know, it's entirely possible that just how deployment goes, he ends up on the side of the table where it's just really minimal threat to him on that side where you're not really risking more than a couple of damage, and then that's totally fine. So obviously yeah. there there's going to be exceptions to that rule where you're like, oh, actually, with the way things go, I'm totally happy with Hulk grabbing that hammer or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I, suppose, I suppose the other thing, though, is that um, Juggernaut, his action economy round one, he's just moving and, and interacting. That's pretty much, unless your opponent overcommits and you can get a cheeky punch in there. So I'm happy for him just to go and pick up an extract or, or sit on a secure or flip a secure and do nothing else. But for Hulk, uh, generally speaking, I want, I want money, I want value out of him straight away. And so for him to just go pick something up and sit there, I'm not entirely happy with that. I want him to do more. Yeah. 
I, I can totally see that. It's it's very interesting, the first round of plays with Hulk, because you're just like, well, he can kind of get up there and probably do some stuff, but how much damage am I willing to take early? Does that mean that he's going to daze at a key point that will potentially lose me the game? And you you do often have to think like three or four rounds ahead with Hulk, which you don't necessarily have to do with Juggernaut. Absolutely. Yep. Good call. Okay. Um, so uh, another question um is there you've already kind of talked about some of the specific things that you would want to avoid um for hulk like some of the big damage dealers are there some specific things that make you say you don't want to play jugs hmm uh not really i mean i haven't really found it like there hasn't really been something that goes i don't want jugs in this situation you know maybe sometimes when there's too many uh, energy guns, but that hasn't really been that big of a deal either. Um, but that might be skewed because I play X-Men, so he has cover. Um, yeah, no, that's a fair point. I think with Juggernaut, um, so a, a good example is either Sword or Senators. Now, in most of my recent competitive rosters, I'm running both of them um, because I want the option to play at 14, despite what my opponent picks if they have priority. Uh, I don't think I would play Juggernaut at 14 on Sword or Senators. Uh, certainly sword because I think it, if you've got juggernaut on sword, you're probably running four wide at best. Um, where I'm quite comfortable to play Hulk four wide at, at, um, on sword base. So I don't think juggernaut can do enough on his own uh, on, a, on a key secure like sword at 14 running four wide. So that's probably the only place I would avoid playing him. And it's depending on game plans and maybe if I'm playing Brotherhood, it's a completely different story. But if I'm not playing Brotherhood, I'd probably not look at juggernaut for white at sword that makes sense i mean there might be situations you can't play juggernaut and play more than three wide on sword yeah yeah, yeah. i mean look, I think, um, brotherhood three wide juggernaut on sword is 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 okay it's a bit risky um but i've done that before and and, and done okay with it but uh maybe that's the only place you'd you'd look at juggernaut maybe on uh in the brotherhood affiliation there is there anything character wise that pushes you away from juggernaut that's not uh crisis specific i'm still unsure on malekith i've i've probably managed about 10 games maybe a couple more for and against with malekith now and and rotating between juggernaut hulk juggernaut and hulk and just seeing how that matchup goes because pre-malekith they were scared of nothing um they, they were just i mean i think they were just have two of those guys in your squad and you could just dominate other squads. Uh, certainly that's how I felt as a player. But now Malekith comes into the mix and Malekith is the big bad for my mind. Um, I'm not saying he's the greatest thing ever, but his, his output is you, you've got to respect it and you've got to be wary of it. And I've had Malekith one round a full health Hulk or with one activation, N- not including follow me. That's just Malekith by himself. So that level of output is scary and I'm not sure at the moment if I want to put such high threat characters on my squad into that matchup or not. I've got to get some more reps in and try some different things, but maybe you were better off investing in three and four threats and spreading the, the health pools out because Malachis only going to get one or two attacks a, you know, a, a turn. Um, so I'm not sure there. The jury's out on that one. So that's probably the only one I have a question mark on. I mean, we weren't really intending to talk about Malekith in this, but I think it's worth mentioning because he he still fits into the four size four theme, right? So he's in theme yep. for the episode, but uh, I don't 
I, I usually wait until models actually come out to play them. I know that's not something that everyone does. and I'm not begrudging anyone for playing online, but I just like playing with fully painted models. Um, but what I wanted to say was, it's interesting how as a player, if you're going to choose to play Malekith, you have to think about what you do in the situations where he doesn't come out swinging and he's got some whiffs, right? Mm-hmm. But as the person playing against Malekith, you're you're not thinking about the games where he whiffs because that's the game that's fine. If you want to win an event and you're playing against Malekith, you have to go, well, what happens if I play against Malekith and he comes out and he just hits super hard and he just starts blowing up dice right away? What do I do? And yep. you you have to ask that question. And that is where it's like, is Hulk better in that situation? Is Jugs better? Is a bunch of threes better? What's what's the answer there? And it is one that we'll have to figure out. Mm. I've also now got Malekith in my roster as well as Hulk and Juggernaut. So it gives me some redundancy <laughs> there. But uh, <laughs> that's a different conversation. Be, <laughs> lo- love the big boys. I, I do. I do. Uh, respect. Okay. Um, well, I think that about wraps up what I wanted to cover in the primary episode. Was there any any thoughts? Because I know we bounced around a couple different topics and we both had things we wanted to bounce off each other. Was there anything you wanted to get into the primary episode before I wrap up shop? Look, I, I suppose uh, just a, a bit of a recap on Hulk and Juggernaut. I mean, obviously, I'm very hot on Hulk and I've, I've said I think he's the best character in the game at the moment for my play style. He's not going to work for everyone, and you might, you know, some people might listen to this and go, "Oh, cool, I'll go give him a go," and it might fail spectacularly. And they go, "What? What is that guy talking about? He is horrible." That was a, and it probably will happen. For the that first Morgan time. guy, he doesn't know anything. What is? What has he yeah. even done? Like, has he won a game of MCP? What? He's just a yeah, that's right. Um, so, what's that bit- Australian meta like? Is he just playing, you know, a bunch of spider foes players? What's going on? So I think the the principles around what we spoke about, though, they're enduring for not Hulk and Juggernaut, but they're enduring for the future characters that AMG releases who are probably around that size four that have some good displacement, that have some good output and some good mobility. And you can look at the principles we spoke about and think about you know the, the way you, Charles, had articulated you play with them and then sometimes maybe the way I play with them as well. And just consider whether that's something that you might want to incorporate into your games. And certainly for players who might be getting a little bit stale with with MCP going, oh, I keep playing the same stuff. You know, I'm playing my three and four threat characters and, you know, same old, same old. It can be really quite refreshing to move to playing some big boys or big girls with She-Hulk um, and just think about those principles and bring one or two of them into your squad and then just try and, you know, it gives you a fresh take on MCP. And those principles will do you well um, in trying to sort of bridge that gap of learning how to play them very rapidly. Instead of making the same mistakes that I've made and maybe you've made, you can learn from us um, and learn from our mistakes and and bridge that gap faster. It's funny that you mentioned that, Morgan, because you don't know how spot on you are. I was really trying to find something interesting to switch up my game before going to LSO. I was testing a bunch of different things and nothing was quite hitting nothing was kind of exciting me to play it more and dig in more and so i just ended up kind of playing x-men even though i had been practicing other things and i think that was overall a mistake um but when you and i started talking more about hulk and i eventually decided that i was going to test myself and play something a bit different because i almost never play the sixes i i've fallen in love with too many three threats that it's been really hard for me to justify dropping two of these amazing threes for for a Hulk. 
And honestly, it was very refreshing to be experiencing something different and figuring it out like a different, like a different puzzle. You know, you're, you know, if you imagine a video game and you're playing a, like a war game or something, and now you're experiencing a different map or a different situation. And I, I did find it very refreshing as I was starting to explore how to play it. And it, it was exciting. And I know some people experience burnout. Well, I mean, probably everyone experiences burnout to a certain extent, and I, I think you do have to find a new way to challenge yourself. And and maybe that's what's what I'm enjoying the most about playing Hulk right now is that I that I am challenging myself to do something different. And even if it doesn't prove to be something I want to play in the long run, I am enjoying this journey, which is, I think, essentially exactly what you were getting at. Oh, absolutely. And there's maybe a more subtle part to it. And this might not ring true for everyone, but it does ring true a little bit for me, is that I find if I've got the big boys on the table, I feel like I'm in control of the game. Whereas if I'm running, you know, the three threat spam or, you know, with the odd four here or there and I'm playing into these big boys, I feel like the game is being dictated to me and I'm scrambling to try and figure out how to overcome what they can do on the table. And so a bit of a mindset is I feel like, um, as I said, you know, earlier in the cast, if I've got Hulk on the table, I feel like I've got a chance. So I think that's um, that's a part of it for the mindset as well. And maybe people who are who are listening might have a similar experience and that might offer them a sense of, I'm not going to say agency, but a sense of uh, empowerment when you're playing the game that you can control the outcomes better. You know, good decisions or bad decisions, that'll just come and you'll get better in time, but you'll feel more in control of what goes on the table as opposed to being reactive. Interesting. I know we've agreed a lot this episode, but I know you also don't mind being challenged. I'm not sure I agree with that sentiment. I don't have that feeling playing lots of threes where I don't feel like I'm in control. And I, I was thinking about it while you were saying it. I'm like, oh, let me re- replaying situations. And so I'm not sure I agree with you there. I do think there's, there is a, it is the same as you've kind of talked about with Sam, right? Where when, when a character gets dazed, it kind of, you, you kind of have this sense of relief because you're like, oh, well, I also get this leadership thing. I think there's a degree of um, a degree of understanding when you're playing lots of threes that you know some of them are going to get dazed, and that's just that's a part of going into it. Whereas Hulk, things are a little bit more butt clenchy, right? When, when you're like, okay, now we're on the edge. I need you to not spike into Hulk and kill him. Um, where I'm, I feel a little bit more susceptible to my opponent's dice. I, I think it could go either way. I'm just, I'm just not sure I agree with you on that one specific point, but. That's entirely reasonable. Um, and it could be, as I said, it might just be me. Maybe I feel like because I've got the big boys, I can dictate how the games can be played. I can dictate when I'm going to put, you know, commit my big boy into a certain area of the map and say, hey, it's on. Or I can dictate when I'm removing them out of there because um, I've got an advantage. So maybe it's just me. But um, I, I found that interesting when I've played them more and more. And certainly if I've got two of them on the table, it, it doubles that feeling. So I just found it interesting that that's how I felt when playing. And I, I will agree with you there. I think, and this goes back to what you were saying earlier, and I wanted to comment that if, you, if you're listening to this cast and you haven't really played the big boys much and your, your inspiration from this is to play them, I would say, is this something that you think you're just going to play for a few games? Because if that's what you're thinking, I probably just wouldn't do it. <laughs> if you're ready to commit and kind of learn how to play them and learn some ins and outs and be willing to accept some rough games 
to get to the success with them, then I think you can experience what Morgan's been talking about. When you know how to commit them at the right moment and you've kind of made those really calculated plays, you're like, well, I'm going to commit them at this point. And I really don't feel like there's any reasonable odds that they're going to be able to kill Hulk in the two rounds before I win. You are going to feel in control. And so I do think when you're playing them very well, there probably is a really good sense of confidence that comes with it in those moments. Hmm, well said. Well said. Um, all right. Well, I think this this wraps up the primary part of the episode. We are going to do a bonus episode. I got some fun questions for Morgan to dig in on these uh, on these size fours. But before I wrap up, I do want to say, listeners, if you haven't checked out Strike Better yet, you absolutely should strike better, even though you release roughly every two weeks. That's kind of the plan, right, Morgan? Every two weeks, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I listen to you guys first thing basically as soon as the episode comes out it's like right on the top of my list of things to listen to um i love whenever farmer messages me and we get to have some chats and express mutual admiration uh I'm a, I'm a big fan, so I, I highly recommend you to all listeners if you want that kind of competitive dive and listening to the way that Morgan articulates his stuff, his his trio with Mike and Ryan, and then you know you have some uh, you have the brothers as well that uh, that come on when they when they can make time. It's a very insightful podcast, so I, I absolutely hope that the listeners go check you out. Uh, where would they where would they find you, Morgan? Well, very kind words. Thank you. Um, Farmer certainly does a great job of hosting that cast or our cast. So um, we're on, I, mean, I think we're on all the platforms for podcasts, but we've got a Facebook page, Strike Better. And we've also got a, it's a webpage. So I think it's pretty sure it's just strikebetter.com, um, which has got, you can download the episodes there. But um, we definitely need to get you on the cast. Um, I think Farmer's working something on the background, but um, I'd love to have you on and, and find a deep dive topic that's going to jive for all of us and um, and get after it. Absolutely. You know, I would absolutely love to chat with you guys. I really hope to have Ryan on my show soon. And um, I need to touch base with Mike at some point. I don't even know his handle on Discord, but at some point that will also, he seems like a really interesting um a uh, really interesting personality with really good insights. And he's a person that I would absolutely like to get to mo- know more. And I was sad when um, I think he had a, a COVID thing come up before LVO. Mm-hmm. I was excited to meet him. And I think something came up a little bit before that. Um, but one of these days, one of these days. Yeah. So Mike is lucky wild on discord and okay. I've, I've loved his insights as well because he and I come from a different place and approach it slightly differently, which is really good that we challenge each other and, and there's no right answers in, in Marvel, but um, he, he'd be really valuable to get some insights off as well. I mean, I do think that there are right answers, but I can, <laughs> I, I understand what you're trying to say as well. Um, well, listeners, um, if you want to subscribe and check out the bonus content, it's roughly a buck a month. Um, A bunch of people have come on in the last six months or so. And so I just wanted to express admiration. I don't like talking about the Patreon that much, but there's been a, you know, kind of a big boost into my discord and into the Patreon. And I just want to express my appreciation. I love you guys. You're supporting me. Um, I just need to tell you how thankful I am. But to close out the episode, I'm going to say the most OP thing that you can do is drop double size fours and it just kind of ends up being a sexual innuendo because it's called foreplay. <laughs> Later, nerds. <laughs> Love it. <laughs>